0: Hi there, this is Pastor Aaron of Fairview Cornerstone Baptist Church and we pray that through the preaching of God's word that you were encouraged and pointed to Christ, our glorious Savior. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you can find us at www.fairviewcornerstone.com and uh, please write to us. We'd love to uh, hear any questions or comments. We pray the Lord encourage you through this sermon. It's uh, always grateful to have a body to gather with, and uh, just on, I guess on behalf of the, the Jansen family, just hurting with you this morning. And uh, you know, you you don't uh, you don't you don't want those those phone calls, and none of us enjoy hurting. And yet, I was reminded. <clears throat> that we are a body for the reason that, that we, are, we are a body to walk with one another, to bear one another's burdens, to, to hurt with one another, <clears throat> so that we can finish this race together. <laughs> we we want to make it to the, to the finish line. We want to, uh, to be found in Christ. And so I, I'm going to fight my way through this this morning and just trust the Lord to help. And I know some of you maybe are touched in different ways by the, the loss of Deanna and um, maybe didn't know her, but the reality is we know that it's a matter of time till we will face similar things in our own lives, our own families. Uh, this is a reality that we face day after day of, uh, of trial, of struggle, of suffering, of loss, of pain. And so I'm praying that by the Lord's help this morning, we can. We can refocus our gaze upon the hope that we have. So um, I'm going to switch plans a little bit. I, I had intended to start uh, looking a bit at the, uh, the uh, what is the church and, and just uh, in hearing this weekend as I was Edmonton, just uh, feeling like I, I couldn't carry on with that plan. So I'm gonna, we're going to shift gears a bit to Romans chapter 8, um, verse 18, and uh, we've been been talking about this passage a little bit over the past few weeks, but not really digging into it, and, and it's just one that the Lord kept bringing back to my mind. So I'm going to ask you to stand together uh, with me, please, as we read from the Word of God, Romans 8, verse, uh, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the healing of the sons of God, Eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we, are, uh, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I'm just ask to bow with me, please. Lord God in heaven, we know, Father, that your character is pure and righteous Lord, that you are a God who is able to lift up weary hands to comfort doubting hearts. And so, God, we ask by your Spirit that you would do that this morning. Lord, that you would be our portion, you would be our strength, or you would give sight to the blind, you would give hearing to the deaf. And God, that you would draw near, Lord, now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So our glorious hope, our glorious hope, and as I said, um, I, I had uh, initially other plans, and then in light of, of uh, some of the things just switched, and, and you know it's like if you're, on a, if you're traveling down the road, you have a, a trip in mind perhaps, and you have stops you're planning to make. When a storm blows in... Um, you, you just kind of have to focus on maintaining vision and keeping yourself on the road and so in a way that's what I hope to, to to do this morning as a church that we can we can refocus ourselves as clearly as we can on the hope that we have and that it would be sustaining grace and especially as we think of um, the, the Jansen family and so as we look at this passage in, in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul is writing and he is working through some, from the beginning of the book of Romans, the, the condition of our lostness. He works, he works through the solution, the, the promise to Abraham and how it is by faith that we are brought into the people of God and how the law was designed to point us to this reality of Christ's coming and then when he comes to Romans 6 and 7, he, he begins to show us that this new life, this hope happens as the Spirit of God causes us to be born again, that we no longer are identified with Adam, but now Christ. And as, as Romans 8 begins to unfold, Christ, Paul is teaching us what it means to live in the Spirit, to put to death the deeds of our flesh. What does it mean to be uh, heirs with Christ, that we are no longer Slaves of sin, we're told we have now the spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, Father. And then Paul, in verse 18 here, he, it's almost as though he starts to gaze off. He maybe looks around him and, and sees the reality of the struggle, the pain, and he reminds people of our, of our glorious hope that we have. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. Now, as I talking with the the children, we think of hope oftentimes in a wishful kind of way, like I hope that we still get some harvest weather, or I I hope that the the cattle market uh, improves, or I hope, I hope, and we use it in the sense of things that we are wishfully thinking, but we have no real confidence that, that it will happen. It may or may not happen. But that's not the biblical sense of the word hope. Hope for the, for the New Testament writers, and especially for Paul right here, is, is more of a word of confidence, something that you are sure of, something that you know is, is true, is, is, is a foundation for your feet to stand on. It's not something that Paul is, is just wishfully hoping comes to pass. It is something that he knows, that he has confidence in. And, and we need to understand this, otherwise we will we'll miss the beauty and the, the help I think that Paul is trying to give us here in, in Romans 8, that we do have a, sh- a sure confidence, a foundation that we can put our feet upon. It's not something that may or may not, not happen in Paul's mind. It is sure, but it is not yet. And so, as he said, we now wait for it with patience and some other words that may be synonymous to the word hope, confidence, expectation. These are words that are, are very similar to what Paul is after. In fact, the, the uh, antonym, the opposite of the word hope is despair in, in, in Paul's mind. So if the opposite of this kind of hope is being overcome with despair and a sense of helplessness. So if we are going to persevere, we, are, we need to have a clear vision before us of our hope as Christians, beyond this struggle that we, we find ourselves in day after day. And this word is used throughout the scripture. You could flip back for a moment to Romans 5, and uh, even in the passages in read this morning, Paul talks about this glorious hope that we have In Romans 5 and 1 to 5, we find that we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in what? In the hope of the glory of God. And he says in verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so this word hope is a tremendous source of strength and confidence and peace for the believer but i know if you're like me a lot of times we face difficulty or a trial and we can begin to lose sight we begin to lose that focus and the storm feels like it might overtake us that we might not be able to stay on the road and so paul writes that we would be helped to keep our gaze upon this hope in fact at the end of the book paul even says in romans 15:4 that Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The Old Testament prophets write for your sake, for your hope, for your, hope, for your endurance, for your encouragement. And so, as we try to comfort one another, don't, don't be ashamed to say, can I, can I read some scripture with you? Can I share a psalm with you that encouraged me this morning? Use the word of God, it was given for our hope, and that we would endure in this, in this journey of faith to Christ. Paul uses it to the Corinthians, this word hope. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, 7-8, Our hope for you is unshaken. We know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And, and this word hope for Paul was something that was Crucial to the believer's perseverance, to their joy in the midst of trial, to their confidence in their God, when all around them their soul gives way. And saying uh, that this morning. And like I said, as, as Zen read this morning, this hope of the gospel that we've been brought into. So you see this word is something that is meant for our encouragement, for our sustaining grace, for our strength, for our help to press on. So the question is in Paul's mind in Romans 8 here what is it what is the hope that we have what is, what, what is it what what contains what is um, the essence of this hope or what, what are the aspects of this hope how do we talk about it and so there's i think clearly six things here that Paul talks about in Romans 8:18 8, to uh, 25 that we can we can say this is something that we can look forward to, we can long for, we can keep our eyes upon to give us strength to press on. And in verse 18, the first thing that you see about this hope that we have as Christians is that it is weighty. It's a weighty hope. So much so that that Paul says in verse 18 that it's not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, this hope that we have is weighty. It is contrasted with our suffering. And so, you could, you could imagine the picture, and I, I know it, it kind of, uh, in a fun way, I suppose, gave the children this million dollar gospel track. But you could imagine if somebody told you, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but I want you to walk a hundred miles to get it. Well, the, 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 the struggle of walking 100 miles is, is going to be light. You're, you're not going to be complaining as you walk that road to receive that million dollars. Why? Because the hope of the prize that is before you is so great. It's so much better than the struggle that you're walking through that it's not worth comparing. No one's going to complain about walking 100 miles to collect a million dollars because the weight of the hope is so much greater Or maybe somebody had told you you're gonna if you would live homeless for a year on the streets, after that year you will receive a billion-dollar estate. You would be the happiest homeless person on the planet. You would be rejoicing. Why? Because the weight of the hope is so great that it's not worth comparing to the struggle that you find yourselves in. And I know that. When we find ourselves in struggle, that's difficult because either we can begin to lose sight of the hope or we are so overwhelmed with what we feel that it seems irrelevant in that moment. And so that is when we need to come around one another and encourage one another and pray for one another and listen to one another so that we can help each other not give up the fight of faith. Paul, the the New Testament, you know, you get these glimpses of this glory that is coming for those who are in Christ, for those who are persevering in faith. You get glimpses of a a new city, of a place without pain, a place without death. You get glimpses of this place where there is no more night, it is all day, the sun doesn't, the the glory of Christ gives light to the place. We get these these glimpses, but ultimately, we can't even imagine the beauty of, of what is in store. And, and Paul quotes Isaiah 64 in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. We can't fathom the beauty and the joy that is waiting for those who are in Christ and who press on. And Paul doesn't deny the reality of the suffering, even here in Romans, he, he's, not, he's not overlooking the reality of the pain. And you can read Paul, um, a man who, who suffered greatly. He, know what it, he knew what it was to, to be poor. And in Second um, Corinthians eleven twelve, 12, you, you get some of these lists of Paul where he is describing the reality of his pain, the reality of his loss that he has gone through. And and Paul is not, he's not indifferent to it. He's not outside. He's not unable to understand. However, if you go to Second Corinthians eleven for a moment, um, I'm in First Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. In verse 16, he he begins to describe um, not only that he could, if he wanted to, boast in his, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's obeyed the law, his zeal, but then he begins to describe some of the things which he has gone through. He says, in verse 23, are the servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death, five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was drifted at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to fall? And am I not indignant? But then Paul goes on, even in chapter 12, to describe that On top of these things, there is a thorn in his flesh, something that is tormenting Paul, and he asks God, Could you remove this three times? And God's response in, in 12, verse 9, he says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul responds with this mind-boggling response, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul began to understand exactly what he wrote in Romans that this suffering is not meaningless. We must hear that as a Christian. Your suffering is not meaningless. It has meaning. So much so that it, it is producing a weight of glory and that your suffering is indirectly going to be in the, core, in the, in the glory that you receive and the, the the level to which you delight yourself in Christ, it's not meaningless, regardless of how meaningless it feels. For the Christian, it is working for your good eternally. And that is where we must keep our eyes and we must trust this by faith. So this is a weighty glory and it's a future glory. Paul says that the sufferings, which is present tense, this is where the, the believers are at. They're in the midst of these sufferings. And this, Paul's telling them, these sufferings, presently, are not worth comparing that the glory that is to be revealed. Now, last week we did talk about the the reality that the kingdom is already and not yet. There is a sense in which we experience the fellowship of the Spirit, the joy of uh, brothers and sisters, and we have moments in our lives when when we we get this almost foretaste of glory of heaven. But the larger part of our glory and the kingdom of God to come is yet to be revealed. This is why I, I, I am so... Frustrated and, and get so angry about the health, wealth, prosperity gospel because they tell you that everything is present. They tell you that everything that Christ accomplished, you should experience now. That's not the gospel. That's not the testimony of the apostles. That's not the experience of Christ. And it confuses people to think that when I experience suffering, when I I experience loss and heartache, that God is somehow against me, that he's forsaken me. It's not the gospel. We are called to suffer. In fact, Christ promised that we would face trials and tribulations. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And so this, this, this gospel of you just need to have more faith and it's all going to get better. You just need to have more faith and the sickness will go away. You just need to have more faith and, and you won't experience loss. It's, it's baloney. It's not the gospel. Yes, God can heal. Yes, he, he can bring restoration. But ultimately, our hope is future. Paul says if we have it now, then why would we hope for it? We hope for what we don't yet have. And so this is a there is a there is an element definitely of the joy of the spirit, the salvation, the peace with God, the victory over sin that we begin to see, we do experience it in part, but there is this future reality, this weight of glory that is coming. And we must keep our eyes upon it. And even I know as Christians, I think we're guilty of this oftentimes we we see somebody in the midst of, of a struggle, whether it's something as great as a loss of a family member or financial trouble or marriage trouble, and we look at them and we say, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You're going to get that breakthrough in your marriage. Your child's going to get better, and, and I just know it. Do you? What if it doesn't get better? You see, if we place our hope In this life, and if we try to point people to some sort of of confidence that their, their cancer will go away or their child will be healed or their child will come back to the Lord and we give them these promises that we have no biblical ground for, we're actually crippling them from seeing the hope that Paul is talking about here. This is a hope beyond the grave. Beyond this life, that is where we need to try to point one another to ultimately. Yes, we can pray for children and marriages, and we, we ask the Lord, we plead with Him, but ultimately this hope is not in this life. It is to come. So it's a future hope. And fourthly, um, well, the third, I guess the third aspect of this hope is it and I'll just mention this briefly, is that it includes creation itself in verse 21. We're told that you look around and you think, why why is there tsunamis? Why is there political unrest? Why is there wars? Why is there sickness? Why all of this pain? And we're told by Paul that God subjected creation in hope of what was to come. When sin enters into the world and destruction is, is brought in, God curses creation in hope of the newness that would come through Christ. And the most glorious moments in your life when you are awed by creation, maybe you saw the sunset last night and it's glistening on the, the frost and then you're just struck by the beauty of this creation. Those moments are shadows of what creation will become. Shadows. Glimpses of what creation is going to become. Paul tells us creation itself is like a woman in in labor longing for this day. What is the day that creation is longing for? it's, It's longing to be set free from this bondage. Paul says that it is longing To obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation is longing for the return of its creator when Christ will make all things new. Creation will be caught up in this glorification. I don't know what that'll look like. You know, sometimes you read books like the Chronicles of Narnia, and Lewis describes this fantastic land where everything is different and there's animals, but they're, they're different animals that we have a hard time even imagining, and the trees are, you know, you get these kind of maybe ideas that can help, but ultimately we, we, we don't know, but we know that it's, it's going to be glorious without corruption. And so this, this hope that we have, it is weighty, it is future, and it includes creation. And we also see from Paul here that it includes our final adoption. Our final adoption. When Paul says in verse 23, Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And there's, there's obviously a lot of different uh, images that the Bible brings in to help us understand our salvation. Adoption is one that I think is beautiful. In fact, my wife and I have talked a number of times that, Lord willing, it would be amazing to adopt a child one day because the, the gospel is so powerfully displayed in the process of adoption. We are brought into a family that we have no, no lineage to. We're not the offspring of Abraham. I don't think any of us are here ethnic Jews. And yet we are grafted into this people of God, into this spiritual Israel, into those who have now been brought into the promise of the new Jerusalem, the King of Kings as our Lord. And so our, we, we long for this final adoption. And as I said, we, we experience it in part. Paul said in Romans 8 just previous, 8.15, that we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have this received the spirit of adoption. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children's, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him that we may also be glorified with Him. So we experience now the Spirit of God within us crying out, Abba, Father, this is my Father. I am brought into a family, and so we experience it at that level. But Paul is saying there's going to be the full realization of that adoption that will come when we are brought into our Father's house. We see Him face to face. We become like Him as our bodies are changed. This aspect of our adoption is yet to come. And even as we think of those who, who go before us, we are left to, to mourn their loss. We miss them. But remember that they are brought into their father's house. They are the child that is now getting to leave the orphanage and sit at their father's table and see him and talk to him. They are far better off than they were previous and we need to keep that in mind that yes we hate pain, we hate struggle but for those who go it's glorious they are leaving the orphanage and they are now dwelling with their brothers and sisters and they are in their father's house in the fullness of his glory and so we do not mourn for them in that sense and I I, I know that I expose myself as having watched Anne of Green Gables in doing this, but um, I I couldn't help but think of this uh, scene in Anne of Green Gables, and I'm sure you've all seen it. Come on, men, you can confess you've watched Anne of Green Gables. But there's this scene when uh, Anne is sitting on the orphanage bench in the front of the the orphanage there, and she's sitting there with her bag, and she's waiting, and, and Matthew comes up to get her because they've filled out the papers. It's all final. He just has to pick her up and take her home. And so, you know, of course, you remember the scene probably that uh, Anne kind of looks around the corner and Matthew's shy, so he backs away. But that picture of her sitting there waiting with eager expectation, I'm going to have a home, I'm going to have a family, I'm going to have a mom and dad, I'm going to have a bed, I'm going to have brothers and sisters, friends, I'm going to have a place to live. That's really our picture. We are at the orphanage. The papers have been signed. The payment has been made. We are already children of God, and yet we are still waiting to be taken into our Father's house. And so Paul says because we don't have this yet, we wait for it with eager expectation. But waiting is not always easy, especially when it seems that the Father is long delayed, and you start to wonder, like Peter says, well, Maybe he's not coming. Maybe it's all a lie. Maybe there's no great end to this. And doubt starts to come into your mind. And and we have to fight that. We have to say, no, I know my Father. He said he will come. He will come when the time is right. And until then, we've been given a commission. We've been given a job to do. We're to go into the orphanage and tell all the orphans, you can come too. You don't have to stay here. When the roof caves in on this place, won't you come? In my father's house, there's there's many rooms. Come with me. And we are called to go to a world that is dying and give them the gospel of their salvation that they might come. To our Father's house. And so we don't sit on our hands and just become frustrated that the Father's not here yet. We're to go. Yes, you might get punched in the face. You might get laughed at. You might get told you're, you're crazy. This is my home. I love this place. I love this orphanage. I've invested my whole life here. I have my treasures in my little treasure box. I have my bed. I've got I've got, you know, stocks in this orphanage. Don't tell me I'm going to leave. I love it. But the reality is we're told there come a day when that orphanage collapses, when it is consumed with fire of judgment because all of these orphans have broken the commands of this king. And we stand guilty. But he has given away that we do not have to be there. We can be brought out, and it is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has paid our debt. He has paid our way out of this orphanage. With his own blood, he came and died the death. We should have died. And to display his power and the hope that he gives us, he rises from the dead, says, Come, humble yourself, turn from your sin, confess me as Lord, receive the payment for your sin that I have made, and you too can come to my Father's house. And so lastly, we have the hope of the redemption of our bodies, Paul says. He says that uh, we await this adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies in verse 23. Now, there seems to be a lot of disagreement exactly as to when this happens. When do we get these glorified bodies? Um, As I understand the New Testament, all of creation and all of the saints that have gone before are still waiting for the glorification of all things. This will happen and um, if you want to go back to 1 Corinthians for just a moment, I think Paul, Paul tells us here that there is even in heaven now, I believe, a sense of expectation still. Yes, the, the, the saints that have gone before are without sin, they are without pain, they are in the joy of their father's house, they experience the, the beauty of, of his glory, of the place, and yet there is this cry still. We see it in Revelation. How long, O Lord, until you complete this? When is it going to happen? They are still waiting for this new heavens and new earth, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51... and this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts, mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass what is written, Death, is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so there is this expectation, this hope that we have of, of glorified bodies, and all of creation is longing for that day when, when God looks over to his archangel and nods his head and says, okay, Michael, it's time. Pick up the trumpet and blow the trumpet and the end will come, we're told, and we will be changed. And so may the Lord encourage you, may he help you to keep this hope before you. And of course, of all these things, we know that the ultimate center of our hope is Christ Jesus himself whom we will get to see face to face, who we will walk with, who we will have new bodies that can look upon His glory and not be consumed. But we will forever delight in His presence. And, and may we labor well. And if you're not in Christ, if you uh, have convinced yourself that the orphanage that we are in is still pretty good and that you have no interest in going to this place, I plead with you to forsake your sin turn from it, run to Christ, flee to Christ while there is time, and you too can come. And The the gospel doesn't demand you to clean up your life, to do good things, pay your tithe, or it's not it, it's grace, Christ has paid it, you just must come and humble yourself and ask him to forgive you. And then be baptized in the water to display to all. I want to follow Christ. I, I don't want to stay in this orphanage. I want to go and be with him. And I want to serve him now to call many out. And so let's pray together. And uh, thank you for, for being here today. And we'll continue to pray with the Jansen family. And just uh, ask you to bow with me and we'll invite our team to come, come back. Lord God, we marvel that you are not a God who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. Lord Jesus, that you have you humbled yourself, became a man, you wept over family who had died, you, you watched sickness take people's lives, you, you, you raised the dead, you touched the sick, you, you brought healing Lord Jesus, but you did this as a man, and you paid our debt. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a faithful high priest who knows the pain and the struggle, and that you have promised to not leave us or forsake us. We ask for comfort now, we ask for wisdom as we relate, as a body that we know how to love one another effectively and graciously, Lord. We pray for the Jansen family, especially, God, that you would just draw near and, uh, Be their very present help. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in today to the sermon uh, preached at Fairview Cornerstone Baptist Church. And again, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at church at fairviewcornerstone.com. God bless.